This is the 65th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week I watch and analyze this past week. It was 20 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Now let's just get to the headline. Satanic Target, Twitter fiascos, lies about Title 42 and the return of Hillary Clinton! She's back! Sneaky Hillary Clinton up to her old tricks again and fueling 2024 speculation. Hillary's not exactly giving a glowing review of his presidency. If Hillary's not stealing Biden's nomination, she's certainly stealing his talking points. They didn't think Biden was going to run for a second term. And then for Hillary to say that... She's going to be the one that everybody turns to in the Democratic Party. Like, oh, but that's not who she is. Mm-mm. Hillary Clinton is the epitome. She is the essence of a woman who will step on anyone, yeah. ride over anyone, do what she's got to do to get the front of the line. This whole Russia collusion uh, hoax was Hillary's idea. And she told Joe Biden and she told Barack Obama that yeah. she was going to do it. Hillary, it's competence. The real message that uh, Hillary was sending that, uh, uh, you know, you really, you sure about this? You sure about Kamala? Probably haunts Hillary because she was supposed to be the first female president. I postulate that what Hillary Clinton is doing is what some say Tim Scott and Nikki Haley are doing on the Republican side. She's running for vice president. Hillary Clinton knows that women live longer than men. Now, how absolutely bonkers was that segment? That was Tuesday. The first segment on The Five, eight and a half minutes of Hillary Clinton. (laughs) Hillary Clinton, the retired former Secretary of State. Um, That's where they went. Now, where are they getting this from? She apparently had a brief interview at the Financial Times Weekend Festival in Washington, D.C. And during that interview, she said that Biden had a good record as president and that people still have the right to consider his age as a factor to reelect him to another term in office. And then she also, what Fox left out, is she also said that um, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for what is happening out in the country in terms of jobs and growth and planning for the future with chips and other stuff. She was definitely supportive of his candidacy. But Fox took that one quote about his age and turned it into Hillary Clinton is running for president. So when Fox News gets desperate, it reverts to its familiar tropes. Gay people are trying to brainwash your children. Christians are being persecuted. The country is being overrun by migrants. And the ultimate Democratic villainous Hillary Clinton has returned to destroy everything. Since the network fired Tucker Carlson, ratings For his old 8 p.m. time slot have plunged more than half, and the primetime ratings overall have dropped 40%. Viewers have flocked to the much smaller network Newsmax, along with online sources. Fox News also slashed its entire investigative reporting unit last week, with more layoffs expected. Elon Musk, once celebrated as a brilliant innovator and champion of free speech by the network, is now openly challenging the news giant for its audience. Tucker Carlson teased he will start his new media venture on the social media platform, and Fox's 
Fox News's fa- second favorite presidential candidate, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, decided to launch his campaign on Twitter before sitting down for an extended interview on Fox News tonight. Luckily for Fox, the Florida governor's campaign announcement on a Twitter space was plagued with technical problems and two tech billionaires, Elon Musk and David Sachs, dominating the discussion. As usual, Fox News declined to inform its viewers about various climate disasters around the world, the former president's many legal problems, or the prison sentences handed down to some of the organizers of the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Uh, Shows I covered last week were Fox and Friends The First Hour, The Five, Jesse Waters Primetime, and Fox News Tonight. Again, I'll be covering Fox News Tonight every single week until they find a permanent host. Just because I'm, it's, it's fascinating to watch the different people take on that role. So before I get to the next story uh, in the podcast slash newsletter, by the way, if you're new to the podcast, the newsletter that I will refer to from time to time is a written version of this podcast. It's basically the exact same thing that you hear here, except where I add some ad libs in the podcast and I sometimes imitate people on Fox News. Um, if includes hyperlinks to all of the sources that I mentioned and all the facts that I drop and the entire list of stories that I do at the end where PBS covers them and Fox does not. So if you want to check out the newsletter, it's at my Substack for Decoding Fox News. It's the same exact title. It'll just be underneath the podcast. Uh, next up, I want to give a shout out to my sponsor, the Town uh, Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. And I am a graduate of their program not a student, and I'm also supported from readers and listeners like you. And if you'd like to become a sponsor, you can go to Decoding Fox News again, become a paid subscriber. You can also go to my Patreon for Decoding Fox News, and there's a little dollar sign next to my name at Twitter, and you can donate that way. I'm not quite there yet. My grant ends in August, and right now, I say this every week, I'm not kidding, I have saved every single dime that I've made except for some material costs that I've used for like hard drives and other computer stuff. Uh, I've been saving everything. So when my grant ends in mid-August, I will hopefully, hmm, this is a lot of faith I'm putting into this project, coast on that income a little bit until the self-generated income I'm making off of Substack rises to the level that I can live off of it. Right now, it's not there yet. It's not, I'll tell you, it's not. If you look at anybody's subscriber base on Substack, about 5% are paid subscribers. So even if you see somebody with like 10,000 subscribers, only about 5% of those people are paying. So um, I'm at a little over 4,000 right now, so you can kind of gauge how much that is. Um, So if you cannot become a paid subscriber, I would beg of you, if you like the podcast, if you like the newsletter, share it. That's the second best thing that you can do because sharing it helps increase the audience. And I can tell when you do it and I can tell when people uh, become subscribers from a shared post. So thank you so much if you've done that. And now back to the newsletter. Target and the satanic plot to make your kids gay. Fox News promoted two falsehoods about Target's LGBTQ pride-themed product line. The first inaccurate claim was that Target was selling satanic-themed items. This misconception came from past products sold in the UK under the label Abe Prelin, owned by Eric Carnell. 
Carnell is a London-based trans designer who sold items with what appeared to be tongue-in-cheek occult and satanic imagery on his website. Fox News took images from the Arapalan website and falsely claimed t-shirts with the slogan Satan Respects Pronouns were being sold at Target stores. Absolutely no satanic or occult-themed items were part of the Target Pride line designed by Carnell. The second false claim promoted on Fox News was that tuck-friendly swimsuits designed for trans people were being sold in children's sizes. So during segments about this story, um, they had people at the Target store that had provided footage, and they showed specific examples of the trans-friendly swimsuits, but they were always adult sizes. So they just were making that leap that they were sold in children's sizes. They never actually held up a bathing suit for like a two-year-old that's a tuck-friendly. They didn't. I mean, that would be crazy, but they didn't do that because, I mean, just this is how nutty this was. So Target ended up pulling some of these items due to physical threats on its staff members. And according to reporting by the Washington Post, Target spokesperson Kyla Castagna said in a statement, Given these volatile circumstances, we are making adjustments to our plans, including removing items that have been at the center of the most significant confrontational behavior. And of course, it didn't stop Fox or anybody else on the right from saying that Target had learned its lesson. They kept coming at them saying, well, look, we still find this stuff in your store. So Fox also went after drag nuns. So Fox News also took the time to trash an LGBTQ-themed charity, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, after the L.A. Dodgers invited, then disinvited, then re-invited members of the charity to accept a Community Hero Award at a Pride-themed event at Dodger Stadium. Members of the sister, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence appear in over-the-top drag costumes, mildly lampooning Catholic nuns. Fox neglected to tell its viewers that the sisters are a 501c3 tax charity run entirely by unpaid volunteers. Now, I checked that. Here's a little tip for you all. Um, you can check the tax returns of any charity on the, in the United States. If you want to see exactly where their money's going and how much money they made, you can look it up. There's various places to look this up online. And you can look at the actual... Um, tax returns. Every single line available. It, that's how every charity is treated by the U.S. government. It's all transparent. So if you want to look it up, I looked up Turning Point USA in grad school. <laughs> and I regretted it because I had to write down all this information. And I had to go over a period of years. And that thing just got so huge. It started with like this tiny budget and ballooned to this monster-sized charity. And whoo, boy. Yeah, but you can look up, like, uh, one of the things that's interesting about doing this is you can see, like, inside dealing. Like, if, let's say, the name of the charity is run by somebody named um, Thompson, that's their last name, that's the CEO of the charity or whatever, you can see if that person's uh, getting a salary. You can see who the board of directors are, if they're getting a salary as well. And you can also see who they've hired. So if you see, like, Thompson is the CEO... And then you look through the tax return and you see all these people who are getting paid um, who have the last name of Thompson or like of an in-law, if you know anything about the person. That's a huge red flag. And again, I found this at ProPublica, but there's other places online where you can find this information. It's totally free. Anybody can look it up. It's fascinating stuff. 
I highly recommend it if you want to look into a charity. Another place that I found information on this charity was Influence Watch, um, which also said over the past 20 years, the organization has raised $1.5 million to further its mission. Examples of organizations the Sister of Perpetual Indulgence have financially supported include the Center for Immigration Protection, the LGBTQ Asylum Project, San Francisco Dyke March, and the Trans Liberation Coalition. At the same time, Fox was lambasting the sisters for desecrating the Catholic Church, the network conveniently neglected to report on a story about an investigation that revealed widespread sexual abuse of children uncovered in several Illinois parishes. So the Illinois Attorney General found that almost 2,000 children suffered sexual abuse by 451 Catholic clergy between 1950 and 2019, which is fairly recent. Now, this next round of clips are from various shows on Fox from last week from them talking about the Target deal. Coming up, Target pulled a Bud Light and partnered with a trans Satanist. Also, this lady. It doesn't take a PR expert to know that if you hire a Satanist to design a children's clothing line and you stock your shelves with tuck-friendly bathing suits, people will get upset, very upset. The only extremists here, let's be very clear, are the ones putting Satan respects pronouns on children's clothing. Thought it was a good idea to put a Satanist clothing line in their store. Is it good for business to sell provocative clothes designed by a self-proclaimed Satanist? Target self-destructed this week after partnering with a trans Satanist who designed children's clothing with... But if I had a line at a company and my name was on it and that brand partnered with a trans Satanist, what's worse in the eyes of the left and the media? Partnering with a Satanist or a Rose Garden speech with Hispanics for Trump? But no other company or, or but no other companies or entrepreneurs want to stand up to Satan? My guess is target moms do not stand with Satan or the sexualization of children. In the span of just five days, the big box store lost more than $9 billion off its market cap. After America found out, they partnered with a trans Satanist to sell tuck-friendly swimsuits to kids. So pretty much everything in this segment that I just played you is inaccurate. Now, this next clip is actually two clips, but the first is a selection of times they brought up the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and how they were disparaging or disgracing Catholics. And then I'm going to play you a segment about the story about the abuse within the Catholic Church that was just discovered in Illinois. Drag queens mocking the Catholic Church. For drag queens desecrating the Catholic Church. With a radical anti-Catholic organization. The L.A. Dodgers invite a bunch of anti-Catholic extremists to their pride night. They're anti-Jesus drag nuns. But it turns out even a drag nun who disgraces the Catholic religion can get a job working for Joe Biden. It's incredible. I mean, and you could just hear the new words to take me out to the ball game. by the way, uh, Rachel, right? Uh, buy me some peanuts and Samsonite. I can't wait to bash Catholics on diversity night. That last voice was Joe Concha. He's a frequent guest on Fox. Hannity always tells him he's going to get his own show and he never sub hosts for anybody. <laughs> so, so Joe Can- Concha wrote that little song, just desperate. Come on, Fox, give me the 8 p.m. time slot. They're not going to give it to you, Joe Concha. They're not. Okay, this next is a clip from PBS describing the abuse in the Catholic parishes in Illinois. 
Illinois' attorney general reported that the sexual abuse of children by Roman Catholic clergy in the state was far more extensive than previously known. The investigation found 451 clerics sexually abused nearly 2,000 children between 1950 and 2019. That is four times more clergy members than the church had previously disclosed, although many of these cases are now too old to prosecute. These perpetrators may never be held accountable in a court of law, but by naming them in this report, the intention is to provide the public with accountability, public accountability and a measure of healing to survivors who have long suffered in silence. The report also charged that Catholic dioceses failed to confront accused clergy and failed to warn parishioners. So yes, on the shows that I covered last week, um, that second story about the child sex abuse in the Catholic Church was not discussed on Fox, not even a 30-second headline news segment. Absolutely nothing. They may have talked about it on Brett Baer's show, but they didn't, they didn't mention it on any of the shows that I covered. So here they are screaming about gay men dressed as like cartoonish-looking nuns. Nobody would mistake these men for nuns. They have like white kabuki makeup on. I think you could be a woman and be a sister of perpetual indulgence as well. They're pretty open. Uh, I know somebody who worked with the charity. He's a lovely man and he's a librarian. So he's sort of like Fox News's worst nightmare. <laughs> a gay male librarian who's a sister of perpetual indulgence. And he lives in San Francisco. Hold, oh, hold the phone. That's like the perfect, perfect, you know, culmination of everything the Fox News fears. Books, gay men, and San Francisco. Um, anyway, so if Fox actually cared about the safety of children, they probably would have, I don't know, reported on a story that found sexual abuse in the Catholic Church in Illinois as late as 2019 to its many viewers. You know, if they actually cared, they'd be, hey, maybe don't let your kid anywhere near a priest alone. In my opinion, don't let your kid anywhere near a priest, but I'm a former lapsed Catholic, so I'm not, I'm, yeah, you can't, mm -mm, no. No, I don't even like stepping foot in those places. I do for family at funerals and other events, but I'm not a huge fan. So anyway... Uh, yeah, Fox just neglected to tell their viewers about that story completely, at least on the shows that I watched. Did not see a word of it. So the next segment is the end of Title 42. Um, did not turn into the flood of migrants Fox predicted. And again, to recap, Title 42, Trump-era regulation made it easier for the federal government to deport migrants as soon as they crossed over the border. As soon as they were caught, they were sent back as part of a um, public health measure to prevent the spread of COVID-19. But the um, kind of hidden element to Title 42 is that if you were caught crossing the border illegally, you've got no penalty. You're just sent back to Mexico or back to the country that you came from, and you could keep doing it. And people did. They repeatedly crossed the border illegally over and over and over and over again because they knew there was no uh, repercussion for it. Now... The Title 42 has been uh, suspended. It's gone. It's ended. There are repercussions for crossing the border illegally. And there's a ban that you can't cross again for five more years. So all these dire predictions about this surge of migrants that would just flood the United States once Title 42 was ended did not come to pass. Now, I'm just going to play these clips 
Uh, the first is a collection from Fox. I went through every single segment on the border crisis and tried to find the best segments. And then I paired it with a segment from PBS NewsHour that shows the difference in how this was covered. And PBS, to their credit, has been very good about covering the border crisis. I don't know about the other news networks. I don't really have time to watch them. I'll be very honest about that. But Fox tends to scream all the time that no other media covers the border crisis. And PBS has done a great job at covering the border crisis. They've openly admitted that it's the worst it's ever been. Uh, they talk about the many problems that migrants have crossing and drug cartels and smugglers and all of that. They include the, the bad and the ugly as well. It's not just, you know, all oh, these poor migrants. Not at all. They show all kinds of depravity that happens to people trying to cross the border. So I'm just going to play these clips and then we'll we'll break them down. Nearly a week after Title 42 expired, as many as 35,000 people were reportedly waiting on the Mexico side of the border to cross into the U.S. Here in El Paso, Texas, some migrants have been sleeping on the streets as shelters remain at capacity. City officials fear another surge could be coming. CBP says that in April, when Title 42 was still policy, there were more than 211,000 migrant encounters. Border Patrol agents arrested 16 people on the FBI's terror watch list who were attempting to enter the U.S. illegally. It's raising concerns among lawmakers about who may have crossed the border undetected. That after the expiration of Title 42, those numbers may get even greater, and there may be uh, even more of a strain on, on the resources of these municipalities that, that already can't afford it. And Tennessee National Guard troops are now being deployed to the southern border to help deal with the surge of illegal immigrants. Now, before Title 42... Fox showed segment after segment after segment of cameramen at the border showing masses of people trying to cross. Uh, they loved that shot of like people lined up, you know, hundreds of people huddled together trying to get past the border. They stopped showing those clips and they did for very good reason, because that's not what exists right now at our border. Now, I'm going to play the PBS segment, and this is Amna Navas explaining what's really going on at the border right now. Fox didn't show this because Fox doesn't want to show this because it would destroy their narrative. Jeff, as you'll remember, it's now been two weeks since Title 42 ended. That was the pandemic-era policy that allowed U.S. officials to immediately expel anyone arriving at the U.S. southern border. And in the weeks before that ended, we'd already seen a huge increase in the numbers of people arriving at the U.S. southern border. Everyone we talked to then, U.S. officials and immigration attorneys and nonprofits, they were all preparing for even bigger numbers, for a bigger surge after Title 42 ended. It didn't happen. The numbers actually went down. And the big question was why? Well, we found out why today. When we crossed into Mexico and we spoke with people waiting on the Mexican side of the border, there is now a huge backup there. People from Venezuela and Honduras and Colombia and further afield who say they are now going to wait because of the rule changes that U.S. officials have implemented. They know now that the message the U.S. officials have been trying to get across for months now, saying the border is not open, saying that if you try to enter without permission, you could be banned from entry, saying you can't enter without an appointment with a U.S. border official. They have heard that message loud and clear. They tell us that they are going to wait. That is why the numbers have gone down. So there were many who actually predicted this would happen. It was sort of split. Some people said, oh, no, it's going to get worse now that we can't immediately deport these people. And others actually said, well, no, it's because we're they're not facing any consequence. We're just 
sending them back to Mexico and they come right back the next day in some cases, or they come back the next week or they come back the next month. Now, because they're worried they'll get banned for five more years from trying to re-enter, migrants are actually staying put and trying to use the system. Now, here's another clip from PBS that sort of explains some of the details about what's going on. That confusion is based on a matrix of new immigration rules. As Title 42 ended, the U.S. opened up some legal pathways but closed others, requiring migrants to schedule an asylum interview appointment through a new app called CBP-1, barring them from seeking protection in the U.S. if they didn't first seek it in a country they passed through, and banning entry for five years for anyone caught trying to cross illegally. They also agreed to take in 30,000 migrants a month from Venezuela, Cuba, Haiti, and Nicaragua, but asked Mexico to take in the same number turned away at the border. Across the border in Brownsville, Texas, Pastor Carlos Navarro has been stockpiling supplies and prepping beds at his church since well before Title 42 ended. For May 11, it was real busy. But after that, on May 11, after seeing 1,200 people a day, we next day we only saw 25, and the next day about 40. He says the city is receiving about a few hundred a day now, but he believes they could handle many more. So I'll describe a little bit of what you couldn't see because this is a podcast and that was a video clip, is the past showing bedrooms that have not been used at all, that were absolutely pristine, just waiting for migrants to show up. He had boxes of food, he had boxes of clothing, and... It was, it was very dramatic. You know, they'd gone from too many migrants to a trickle, a flood to a trickle. And of course, Fox News is not going to share that with its audience because that would destroy the narrative of migrants overrunning the country. So Fox News instead, and I could have shared these clips, but uh, for time I can't really include them, but it was basically the same message of mayors across the country saying, oh, we can't handle these migrants. Now, some of those migrants may have crossed the border weeks ago and have finally ended up in places like New York or Chicago or whatever. And so that's the stories that Fox um, focused on. They also focused on a gang member who killed a 20-year-old woman and they were, you know, the congressional hearing apparently lambasted the Biden administration for not vetting this person enough and Fox included that segment in its statement. But what they didn't include is that person was a minor. It was a 17-year-old boy who committed this heinous crime. So it would be very difficult to vet a teenager. That's just the way, just the way it works because they don't have a criminal record per se. So um, the next uh, is, of course, the Ron DeSantis Twitter fiasco. So Elon Musk basically handed Fox News a gift when Florida Governor Ron DeSantis had a disastrous presidential announcement on a Twitter space platform last week. After multiple attempts to try to join the Twitter space, I gave up and joined a Twitter group set up by Brian Stetler, the journalist, who broadcast the event from another person's phone. It's hard to describe how he did this, but yes, that's kind of how he did it. So half the event was dominated by Elon Musk and David Sachs, another tech billionaire blathering on about cryptocurrency and their own perceived brilliance. And then as soon as DeSantis got done, he actually went on Fox, did an extended interview with Trey Gowdy, and then the DeSantis campaign immediately cut up that interview and turned it into promotional materials. Whereas from Twitter, they pulled absolutely nothing, and pretty much everyone on the planet made fun of them for even attempting this. Now, this next is a series of clips from Fox, and I ended it with Chef's Kiss, Jeff Bennett of PBS NewsHour, 
making a comment that caused me to fall over laughing. I don't want to give it away. I'll just play it and then we'll discuss. What's Twitter Spaces? Well, it's like a Zoom call without video. Hey, look, what the heck is Twitter Spaces? <laughs> I wish I knew more about this. <laughs> okay, to be quite honest. I can't promise you that I won't crash, but Fox News will not crash during this interview. Governor DeSantis, I, if you broke Twitter, my daughter and the Kardashians are going to be very upset with you. But the initial announcement was not so smooth. Yeah, there were some technical issues on Twitter spaces delaying the big announcement that was hosted by Elon Musk. But of course, other presidential candidates season on the stumble. <laughs> Former President Trump campaign saying, quote, Ron DeSantis botch campaign announcement is another example of why he is just not ready for the job. President Biden also taking a swing at DeSantis, tweeting his re-election donation page with the caption, this link works. The, the announcement was messy, overshadowed by technical problems and some glitches. Not his fault. Blame the billionaire, Elon Musk. But it was a rocky start. DeSantis' campaign kickoff on Twitter was marred by a slew of technical difficulties. It's an experiment just to see what could we learn here. Mm -hmm. So I think that one of the things that they did last night was find out, oh, okay, Twitter spaces needs a little work. Okay. DeSantis chose to announce with an audio-only interview on Twitter. There was about a half hour of dead air, glitches, and technical issues before we finally got to hear, the, hear from the governor. Now, for a guy who made his name fighting all the COVID rules, I'll still never understand why he chose a socially distanced rollout. I like how Rachel Campos-Duffy makes it a socially distant rollout, which is bizarre. But that's what she does. Because, you know, if you get your start on an MTV reality show and then end up on Fox News, there you go. That's what you're going to you're going to come up with gems like that. Now, this next one is Jeff Bennett, an actual journalist on PBS NewsHour. And um, they didn't really talk about the rollout that much. But this comment caused me to, I had to like walk away from my computer. I start laughing so hard. Now it's subtle. And I, again, PBS goes out of their way not to be partisan. They weren't being partisan here. What Jeff Bennett says is 100% factually accurate. And it just is absolutely stellar. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis formally launched his presidential campaign on Twitter spaces last night. But the event was plagued by lengthy delays and problems, which Musk acknowledged while it was happening. We're just uh, reallocating more uh, server capability uh, to be able to handle the load here. It's uh, really going going crazy. So, um, yeah, I'm obviously very excited to um, have uh, Governor DeSantis uh, make this. Uh... Now, it should be noted that the number of users listening to the event was in the hundreds of thousands, not the millions or tens of millions that would typically overwhelm the servers of other social media giants. So that's what caused me to absolutely lose it when he said hundreds of thousands. And then he basically said that other social media platforms easily, you know, have millions of people on them for any number of events and they work perfectly fine. I mean, I just fell over laughing because I'd been watching all this Fox stuff and then to see that just so plainfully stated with nothing on it, like there's no spin there was no wink and a nod. It was just straightforward. And that's what killed me. That's what caused me to laugh out loud. I was like, I was dead. The The whole socially distant comment that Rachel Campos Duffy made was bizarre. She makes bizarre comments all the time. She also said twice last week that Michelle Obama is going to run for president. That's her new thing. She keeps dropping that one. 
Even though Michelle Obama said repeatedly she's never running for any office. But okay, okay, Rachel Campos Duffy. You're what happens when people get their start on an MTV reality show. Now this next clip, because I'm kind of running out of time and I don't want to go too long. This is Joey Johnny Jones. This is a highly unusual clip from Fox News. They announced that he's going to be taking over the 8 p.m. time slot just for next week. I think it was because half Memorial Day, because uh, Joey Johnny Jones is a disabled veteran. He lost both of his legs in combat. And then the second is he's also promoting a book about his time in the armed services. Um, I love this man. I don't agree with any of his politics. There's times he says things that I really don't agree with, especially about New York City. But he has integrity. He shows compassion in this and empathy towards others, including other people who do not agree with him. This is so rare. This is such a gem that I went ahead and clipped it, stuck it on Twitter. It blew up. And I wanted to share it with you because this is just, I just, it just never happens. So this is Joey Johnny Jones. I doubt he'll last in that 8 p.m. time slot because he's not what Fox News normally sells. They don't sell compassion. They don't sell empathy. The people in this country don't understand the sacrifice because we've been able to secure its freedom and defend its democracy with less and less sacrifice over the decades. I fought in two wars. A lot, of, a lot of Americans don't even understand that. I fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. The collective amount of people that died in those two wars probably doesn't touch the first or second bull run. And so that doesn't mean those lives don't matter. It doesn't mean that sacrifice wasn't worth it. It means that we are, we are in such an amazing, we may be in the greatest time of this country's existence. Yes, things feel terrible. I mean, we look at, like you said, Twitter, people arguing with each other over things that really don't matter. I don't know that they would say, was it worth it? I have faith in them, and I know enough of them to know that they would say, not only was it worth it, but it worked. And I hope you don't go to a place where you have to do that yourself, that, that your kids don't have to die on a battlefield at home or abroad. When people say, thank you for your service, I've started saying back to them, Thank you for being worth serving. And I don't just say that because I believe every single person is doing things to be worth serving. But it's a win-win for me. If they are, I got to say it to them and it made me feel good. But if they're not, they have to go think about that. What does it mean if in their heart they feel like maybe they weren't worth serving? Will they make better decisions tomorrow? Will they treat people better tomorrow? I love this country. And I can't say that if I'm not willing to love everybody in it, evil notwithstanding. I don't have to agree with someone to want to go fishing with them or enjoy a ball game. I don't have to agree with them on things that I'm very passionate about, like Second Amendment rights or um, fiscal responsibility. But I have to agree with them that this country is good, good in its heart, good in its soul, and good in its people. And I travel this country and speak to groups of people all over it from different industries and nonprofits. And no matter what their politics, there are so many good people in this country. I refuse to believe that the squeakiest wheel getting the grease represents the majority of people. I think most people, idle hands are devil's playground. I think most people are busy living their lives, doing their work, and raising their kids, and they don't have time to be a part of whatever is getting all the attention that day. So I wanted to include that, because sort of in a fantasy world, that monologue represents what we could have if there was just a, a right-wing media that played fair, that didn't push misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories, false stories, hate, fear, paranoia. If we could have media that simply was, you know, I'm for the, 
Second Amendment, and I'm for smaller government and fiscal responsibility, like you mentioned. And this is why I am. And here's a, a you know a conservative value that I want to promote, or here's a conservative policy that I want to promote. And they didn't demonize the other half of the country. And they didn't say that gay people were monsters. And they didn't say that migrants were, you know, invading our country and taking over. And they didn't promote hate. And they didn't promote bigotry. We could have that. It is possible. But we don't. Because I don't even know how he's hired on Fox. I don't even know how he got away with saying that without somebody jumping him and putting a muzzle on his face. Um, And there's plenty of times Joey, um, that is his actual name, Joey Johnny Jones has said things I don't agree with. He's said things that I just kind of, ugh, why did you say that? I've clipped him before. He's not perfect. But the fact that he said that in that space, just, I I couldn't believe it. I was like, ugh. He's not going to, I pray that he doesn't become the next Tucker Carlson because that would be a shame to see somebody with that much goodness turn into a monster. I doubt it. I think they'll have him on for a week. He won't work out. He'll go back to being like a swing host on Fox like he is now. They know what sells. And Fox knows that hate, paranoia, fear, and division sells. And that's not what Jones has to offer. So next up, the next section is the stories that Fox News ignored every week. I take all the media that I watched on Fox and I compare it to five hours of the PBS NewsHour, which you've heard a lot of tonight. This is unusual for me to include that many clips from PBS. But this week it just seemed perfect because there are so many stories that they didn't include, Fox didn't include, or that they told a false narrative of. And I thought, well, I got the perfect example to prove it with PBS. So here we go. The World Meteorological Organization, the weather agency of the United Nations, said in a report last week that extreme weather caused the death of 2 million people in the past 50 years and has caused an estimated $4.5 trillion in economic losses. India faces blackouts and water shortages during a crippling heat wave. Forecasters predicted it could take several more days until monsoon rains bring relief. More than 80 wildfires, including 23 that were out of control, ravaged parts of Alberta, Canada. Roughly 100,000 residents were forced from their homes, and both Montana and Colorado were under air quality alerts from the drifting smoke. The U.S. territory of Guam was hit by a super typhoon Mawar that caused major damage. Most of the island is without power, but no deaths or major injuries were reported. At least 19 students were killed due to a fire in a boarding school dormitory in Guyana. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. Most of the students at the school were indigenous children between the ages of 12 and 18. Republican lawyer C. Boyden Gray, former White House counsel to George W. Bush, died at the age of 80. The Biden administration managed to broker a deal between three western states over water use from the Colorado River. California, Nevada, and Arizona will be required to conserve 3 million acre-feet of water through 2026. The deal is voluntary, but it prevented federal intervention or mandated cuts to water use. A live-action version of Disney's The Little Mermaid debuted last week, featuring Halle Bailey, a black actress and singer, in the lead role. People in Oklahoma who have been on a decade-long waiting list for developmental disability services are finally getting the help they need. Oklahoma Department of Human Services are hoping to completely eliminate the waiting list by next spring. Democratic Senator of Delaware Tom Carper said he will not seek re-election in 2024. 
He endorsed Representative Lisa Blunt Rochester, also a Democrat, as his replacement. Rochester is the first black person and woman to represent Delaware in Congress after she was elected in 2016. Last week marked the one-year anniversary of the mass shooting at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas. A teenage gunman used an AR-15 rifle to kill 19 children, two teachers, and injure 17 others. Most of the victims were between the ages of 9 and 10 years old. A New York judge set a trial of March 25, 2024, for the criminal case against former President Donald J. Trump. The case involves charges of falsifying business records in a hush money scheme to pay off a porn actress. A Russian court extended the pretrial detention for three more months of Ivan Gersonovich, an American journalist held in Russia on espionage charges. The White House called for Gersonovich's release, along with another American, Paul Whelan, who's been held on similar charges. PBS produced a segment about the effort to recruit more black male teachers. Nationally, less than 2% of all teachers are black men. The number of people displaced due to a civil war in Sudan increased to 1.4 million. Attempts to get both factions to agree to an extended ceasefire have failed. The German government has cracked down on radical climate protesters. Activists from a group known as the Last Generation have glued themselves to streets, highways, and airport runways in an effort to raise awareness about the dangers of climate change. Cross-border attacks into Russia have started to break out in the war in Ukraine. In one case, the faction who attacked Russia was made up of Russian military defectors. PBS also produced an extended segment about the Wagner Group, a mercenary military force made up of soldiers for hire and Russian prisoners promised freedom for their military service. The Texas legislature approved a bill meant to keep sexually explicit books out of school libraries. The bill is expected to become law. A law in Montana was passed that banned drag queens from reading to children in schools and libraries. Fox News has demonized drag performers for months, even implying they were pedophiles. PBS produced a segment about the plight of women under Taliban rule in Afghanistan. Since the Taliban banned women from working with aid groups, many have pulled their support for the country, as the organizations don't want to indirectly enable the repressive government. Supreme Court Justice John Roberts said that the court needs to do more to address ethics concerns. This follows a series of stories related to Justice Clarence Thomas receiving lavish gifts and trips from Republican donors. Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the far-right militia group the Oath Keepers, was sentenced to 18 years for seditious conspiracy for his role in the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Two other members of the group received eight-and-a-half and four-year sentences for felony and misdemeanor charges related to the riot. The U.S. and South Korean military stage military exercises meant to stimulate an attack by North Korea last week. Secretary of Defense Lloyd J. Austin III made remarks about how the U.S. military would face China's challenge in the Pacific during his Naval Academy commencement speech. President Biden nominated Air Force Chief of Staff General C. Q. Brown as the next chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. According to new census data, the median age in America rose to 38.8 as Americans age and the birth rate drops. The Texas legislature voted to impeach Attorney General Ken Paxton over allegations of illegal activities related to one of his political donors. Paxton 
has been a frequent guest on Fox News. The DEA threatened to strip Morris and Dixon, a large drug distributor, of its license if a negotiated settlement over its role in the opioid crisis isn't reached. The company is the fourth largest drug wholesaler in the country. Last week marked the third anniversary of the police killing of George Floyd, an unarmed black man. His murder sparked nationwide protests for police reform. The state of Indiana reprimanded a doctor who performed a legal abortion on a 10-year-old rape victim. The state medical board ruled that Dr. Caitlin Bernard violated the privacy of her young patient when she revealed some details about her case to the press. Dr. Bernard will have to pay a $3,000 fine, but will still be able to practice medicine. An investigation by the Marshall Project uncovered a culture of abuse in New York State prisons. All of those stories, that whole long list, was not included on the, in the shows on Fox News that I watched last week. Now, very quickly, because we are over time, I like to keep this under 45 minutes, and we are over 45 minutes very, very, very quickly by the numbers. So the top five uh, categories for Fox News last week were DeSantis, 2024, Tim Scott, 2024, Hunter Biden, anti-LGBTQ segments, and the border crisis. For PBS, it was the debt ceiling at 15%, the Rob Elementary School one-year anniversary, the shooting in Uvalde, Ukraine war, artist profile, which is a staple for the uh, network, and the border crisis. So again, border crisis is actually discussed quite a bit on PBS. Words used on Fox, Biden at 267, DeSantis, shockingly, at 244. Uh, Twitter at 89, crime and criminal at 89, border 84, Tim Scott 76, Target 73, Hunter 56, inflation 25, China Chinese dropped all the way down to 21, Satan 17 times, Tuck, and I made sure that that was in reference to the bathing suits, 14, Glitch 13%, 13 times, Catholic 10, 10 times, Title 42 6 times, Fetterman inexplicably 5 times, AOC inexplicably 4 times. They just show up for no reason. So this week I'll be capturing the first hour of Fox and Friends, The Five, Fox News Tonight, hosted by Joey Johnny Jones and Hannity. I'll also capture the Trump Town Hall on Thursday and make an annotated edit of it, as I do. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, you can go to my Substack at Decoding Fox News, Patreon at Decoding Fox News, and share the podcast with a friend's our friend on social media or the newsletter on social media that also helps give a good review on any of the places that you can get my podcast on, which is Spotify and Apple podcasts and a bunch of other places. And my mascots, Odin and Thor have been very quiet right now, which has been a huge blessing for me. Um, also send their love, the cats. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you at the next podcast. Thank you.